welcome to this edition of EMS Now Up Close. I am Eric Miskell with EMS Now. And today my guest is Jeff Schlarbaum. He is the CEO of Spartronics, the EMS company, as of December of 2022, I believe. So Jeff, welcome. It's a pleasure to get to meet and speak to you today. Great. Uh, thanks for having me, Eric, and uh, look forward to the conversation. Yeah. Now, you have kind of a lengthy career in the EMS industry. I was looking at that, not just before Spartronics, IEC. I saw even Plexus and Mac before that, and you were involved with creation technologies on the board, too. So, and and based on performance, you clearly know how to operate in this space. But I guess what my first question would be is, what is it about the EMS industry that keeps keeps you so engaged and keeps pulling you back? That's uh, a very fair question. You're being very polite in terms of my years of service. I'm getting a little long in the tooth, but uh, I like to think that uh, I've learned a lot along the way. And uh, really what drew me back into Spartronics is you know, a company that uh, was a collection of really respected brands, but uh, the sum of the parts is much greater than the, than the individual brands and, and it hasn't been fully realized. So I look back on my past and uh, what I learned for the first quarter of my career in the OEM side of the business is really understanding the needs of a company that is highly dependent upon a manufacturer like Spartronics to service all of their product needs and uh, fulfillment to their customers. And yet the vast majority, three quarters of my career has been the EMS. No two days are the same. I think those, that's where it really starts. The, 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 the varied nature of the technologies that we're involved with um, are just so impressive. Um, and, and it really is a, a, a real great fortune I have to get involved with not only different technologies, but different industries, different company, different thought leaders and uh, because we're not just uh, siloed into a single product, um, the variation is what really draws me back, the pace, um, and certainly all the innovation and, and being around really bright people. So Spartronics gave me the platform to, to come back and, and uh, uh, exercise some of those muscles that I've developed from, from my past and, and try to put them to place to, to get Spartronics to a, a place where we're recognized and revered in the industry for uh, the services we provide. Yeah. Now that's good. And let's get into the Spartronic side, because as you've already indicated, it has a unique history in that it was constructed through acquisitions of some very good brands, some of the companies I actually knew in the past. But you know, what is it, for lack of a better term, what is kind of your mission as you move forward here in, in integrating these various entities? Yeah, so I uh, was recently asked by uh, one of our strategic supply partners, the, the CEO of a strategic supply partner, um, what, what attracted me to, to Spartronics? And I simply said, first of all, it's the, the brand names. The Spartan brand goes back to 1900. Um, yeah. So it's a long history of doing some really innovative things for the defense industry developed a reputation over time for growth through acquisition. Um, you know, you added the Primus and the Innovar pieces to it. So really the collection of capabilities was one of the first things that stood out. The second thing was uh, the name brand recognition of the customer base. Um, industry leading innovators that uh, we service uh, was highly attractive. And, and then the last piece was simply 
um, we have uh, facilities in places like Vietnam, where in today's marketplace, it's almost an anywhere but China. And in Vietnam, it's not only a low cost region, but for us, it's a best value region. And so, you know, we really have a, a unique opportunity to take a mission critical set of capabilities in a lower cost environment and bring some very compelling products to market from a best, best value perspective to industries that typically haven't outsourced to the Far East mm -hmm. um, like they will in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And Spartan really was kind of a first in, in space there in Vietnam. They had something there for, you know, in their history dating quite a ways back. So, yeah, it was um, a, it was a small operation and, and it's grown over time today. It uh, represents uh, 270,000 square foot uh, state-of-the-art facility that we just moved into uh, at the beginning of the year in 2023 here. Um, and we have unique capabilities for low cost geography as we're AS9100 certified, uh, we have our NADCAP accreditation. So when you really think about traditionally lower cost, less complex manufacturing, we're really changing the complexion for low cost and bringing best value in a really robust uh, manufacturing entity to these uh, highly regulated end markets, which is a, a bit unique for our industry. And, and I'm really uh, impressed that uh, we have that uh, uh, capability here and uh, the Spartronics family. Yeah, and is that one of kind of the the challenges during the integration is to use those best practices from the different component parts and and apply them to the whole entity? It really is. Um, you know, let's face it. If, if if Spartronics was running like a Swiss watch, I wouldn't be here today. Um, they 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 so embarked on a journey a couple of years ago. Um, and, and brought together the necessary working capital to buy some, some really compelling brand names. But um, it's really the sharing of best practices that uh, were missed in, in, in the integration of these organizations. So as an example, um, you know, a, a lot of our peers um, stratify their business into industry verticals, uh, defense sector uh, capability and set of locations. Uh, a medical uh, and so on and so on and so forth. You know, for me, um, our greatest uh, asset to our customers is the ability to be uh, hyper flexible, um, to expand and contract. It's the reason they got out of manufacturing. Um, it's capital intensive to expand when you need volume. And then it's very difficult to pivot uh, inwardly and shrink it when, when, when uh, you know, markets soften up. So for us, I want to be in a position to build any product anywhere, anytime based on uh, the need and the capacity. So a fully cross-trained workforce, uh, facilities that certainly have centers of excellence from a, from a capability standpoint, but can build any product for any industry. And therefore, I can move those resources around both equipment and people very quickly to meet our customers' needs. So I really flattened out the organization. I eliminated the, the sector silo-based approach and really have created a diversification of skills and capabilities that I think are gonna help us scale organically over time, which is very good, difficult to do is grow organically, which is why a lot of EMS companies uh, you know, grow through acquisition. Yeah, no, absolutely. But within that, is there still some consideration of the sectors? Are there certain sectors that you may prefer and some that you may, I'm assuming you're not gonna be doing the three C's kind of high volume, all of that necessarily. 
That's correct. You know, we, we're really looking at these highly regulated industries. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's no surprise. It's the aerospace defense market. It's um, the medical device market mm-hmm. and then uh, ruggedized industrial. So really, those are the three key markets that we focus on. But we want to be able to service all three sectors out of a state of the art facility, say, in Vietnam. We want to service those uh, all three industries out of a location, say, in Salt Lake City, which maybe is in better proximity to our West Coast customers versus having them have to go across the country to deal with maybe a a specialized location that uh, has limited capabilities beyond the specific industry they serve. So really opening that up and providing our customers sort of the choice and the selection of where they want to do business and who they do it with and create the diversification so we can meet their needs at any time. Yeah. Now you've mentioned it a few times, the Vietnam facility. Um, so let's talk about that a little more. And I've had the pleasure of, of speaking with your GM there, Dun Tran, in the past. Um, and prior to the opening of the new facility and, and what was what you've put together there. Uh, but tell us about that. And also, I'm also aware that you have a Mexico facility still as well. So what is the decision making then as to what goes where? Yeah, you know, so it's really, again, putting our customers in charge of, of the selection process. You know, I want to create a menu of services, a menu of capabilities where um, it's very attractive to our customers to be in charge of, you know, controlling their own destiny. So as it relates to uh, Mexico and or Vietnam, um, some customers want to be North American centric. They want a, a lower cost alternative to building in the States. Um, and so being in the Far East doesn't appeal to them. Others, for instance, uh, want the, the uh, sort of the, what China had represented at one time, um, which has become more difficult with the geopolitical concerns, um, the, 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 the trade uh, complications and conflicts. Um, so they want a place like Vietnam that has great trade deals with uh, the West um, is uh, a low cost region, but has access to young technical talent. Um, And so for us, it's really putting our customers in charge of where they want the work done. Because at the end of the day, the products have a certain profile that we're gonna be attracted to that we're a best fit for. Mm -hmm. So as you said, it's gonna be the highly regulated electronics, like sort of the fail safe electronic products. And it's really the customer's bias to whether they wanna be in North America or in the Far East. Yeah. And I, I must say, I've always been very excited for Vietnam because, as you know, in the EMS industry, there have been a lot of Vietnamese workforce throughout the industry in all regions for a long time. And it's now they all get to go home again, unfortunately, and build a great industry there. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're super excited with the talent that we have in our Vietnam operation and the ability to scale and, or scale and develop that talent over time. Um, so uh, as, as we've all uh, been confronted with here in the past few years, um, you know, there's very low unemployment, there's labor shortages, the, the dynamics of, uh, you know, manufacturing in the U.S. have changed over time. So to be able to have an operation in Vietnam of the scale that we have, where we can have access to talent, um, technical talent um, mm-hmm. in abundance to, to grow and scale over time for our customers is a, is a real advantage. Yeah. Now, you know, in this day and age, obviously, in uh, workforce issues and shortages in some areas uh, and getting good workers is a challenge. And that's being 
being balanced with increased automation within the industry as well. So how do you approach that decision between the automation and the skilled workforce? It's not one or the other, I realize that, but how do you strike a balance there? Yeah, you know, our philosophy is that uh, we're gonna automate those uh, less complex operations. Those that can be done more repeatedly, uh, we wanna automate those less complex operations because what our customers really are attracted to us for is building these complex electronics. And with these innovative designs, in many cases, because of the go, the, the market that uh, go to market pressures, mm -hmm. um, the need that uh, they fulfill in some of these mission critical applications, the designs haven't been hardened. And uh, you know, so in some cases, uh, some of the products have producibility challenges. Mm -hmm. And so you know, our customers rely on us to have highly skilled labor that almost through a bit of artistry can bring these products to market despite having these hardened designs. So we want to reserve the, you know, the skill set to provide that artistry um, at the highest levels and not dilute it with some of the less complex uh, tasks that we can automate out. So that's how we sort of view the, mm -hmm. the automation versus development of, of skill and talent. Okay. Now within the EMS industry, you know, it's, Big challenge for EMS has always been there's just so many of them out there, right? And it's uh, so how do you help Spartronics kind of define a distinctive position in this industry? You know, so I'll, I'll use a, a really good example. Um, you know, we're fortunate to be a strategic supplier to Raytheon Technologies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Raytheon's a, an organization that itself is evolving, has grown through acquisition, has a, a number of really um, innovative and name recognized brands under its umbrella. And so they are in turn relying on their strategic partners to facilitate their growth, their expansion, their integration of organizations. So Spartronics is in a unique position where when you think about a company, and it doesn't have to be Raytheon, it could be any pick any defense contractor, but they have upwards of 10 to 15,000 suppliers in their ecosystem. And you just can't manage the sheer volume of, of suppliers that uh, you're working with. So in companies like Raytheon and others, they're paring it down to uh, a very small number of highly capable suppliers that they want to partner with for years and years to come to meet their needs. So by positioning Spartronics with those executive level relationships that I have built over time, that are built on trust and um, you know, that they've been a, you know, able to rely upon um, will help us grow organically because frankly, you know, acquisitions are complicated, there's risk. And so if you can develop a proven playbook of organic growth, which I've had a fair bit of success doing in the past, mm -hmm. um, it really de-risks the business. So putting our company in a position to be with those uh, thought leaders, those decision makers in these global organizations to uh, you know, be there as a trusted partner is one of the greatest contributions I can make to put us in a position to succeed. Yeah, and you talk about that with, with the, uh, the, the, the customer satisfaction being a key one, uh, assuming profitability is going to be a, a key tenant of that as well. You know, when, you know, so the private equity industry, um, it, you know, has really taken a, a liking to the, to the EMS sector. It's become some, you know, fairly fashionable for, for private equity to invest in EMS as you've seen a lot of acquisitions, a lot of roll-ups. 
um, you know, EMS has become ubiquitous because it's, it's, it's everywhere today. You know, OEMs controlled their own destiny in the past, but today they're focused on innovation and product development and customer care. And they're leaving the manufacturing to companies like Spartronics. So, you know, in that regard, um, there's, there's a, a lot that, you know, we can, we can offer to the, to the, to the industry, but it starts with uh, really uh, empathizing with the customer needs. I, I understand the customer needs very well. And so if we focus on meeting their needs and being a trusted supply partner that they can rely on in good times and bad, you know, it's going to endear you to them. You're going to have their commitment for long-term partnership and growth. And so I think that's one of the, the, the key tenants is what does it mean to have a highly satisfied customer? We have highly satisfied customers. The rest is going to flow through the, for the, through the P&L. We'll be, you know, we'll be growing. We'll be financially strong. Obviously, you need to have, uh, you know, safeguards in place to, to, to prevent your company being put at undue risk. But um, my philosophy is customer satisfaction first. We deliver for our customers. We'll be profitable. We'll continue to grow, and we'll have lots of great opportunities for our teammates and fellow colleagues to advance their careers. Yeah, yeah. And what I like about what I'm hearing you say is that it's that the the profitability element is is more cultural than by virtue of fact of having a wicked smart CFO who's who's doing the numbers right, right? It's really embedded in the culture and serving the customer well and growing that. And I think that's that's exactly right. And I think that's one of the challenges that the private equity industries will have as they buy these portfolio companies in the EMS industry. They tend to be more financially oriented. Um, and and that's there's, there's a place for that. But I've learned over time that when you pick the right supply partners uh, or the right customer partners, I should say, mm-hmm. um, those that are that are that are focused on mutually beneficial outcomes, you pick the right customer partners, you service them well, you become a trusted partner, you're going to grow and you're going to be profitable. Um, I had the you know the the, the great fortune of of uh, running IEC Electronics not too long ago uh, as president and CEO. We're a publicly traded NASDAQ company, micro cap. Um, and so our, 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 our uh, results were out there for the public to see and ultimately uh, sold the business to creation technologies for an industry leading multiple. And that was only achieved because we had very sticky, um, very uh, entrenched customer relationships. And because of that, it, it, it really uh, delivered the financial results. And so I think private equity has to be balance the, the view on the financials and not overlook that uh, highly satisfied customers will drive a, a, a very compelling business model. No, absolutely. And, you know, it's an interesting time for EMS. You've spoken about several of those issues. You know, we're just coming hopefully out of this whole component debacle that the industry has faced. It's really put a, uh, from a financial perspective, uh, you know, kind of uh, restricted a lot of EMS activities because of the capital they have caught up in that. Um, But now we're moving into a year 2023 into, we're into second quarter already, but, you know, things are expected maybe not be as fast growing as they were in the previous years, you know, the kind of the COVID boom. How do you see it moving forward this year and into next, the industry as a whole? Yeah, you know, I mean, everything's moving towards electronics. I, you know, I, I rented a car the other day and it was amazing. 
how you know there's sensors everywhere. And I just was thinking as I was driving, it wasn't too long ago that this sort of technology didn't exist. And so the demand for electronics and electronic products mm -hmm. is only going to proliferate and only going to continue to grow. So I think it's a it's a it's a good sign for the EMS industry. And in fact, I think it's why it's attracted a lot of capital from the private equity mm -hmm. industry to um, invest in, in, in EMS companies. So I think while things will shift and technologies will shift over time, um, there will continually be more and more emphasis on automation, technology, and uh, sort of those internet of things that uh, the, 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 the public and the consumer consumer demands. And so I think it's nothing but great signs for the industry. I think it'll be challenged from a supply standpoint on the component side. I think while we're solving some of those component constraints, when you look at a lot of the, the manufacturers, there's continued consolidation on the component manufacturer side. So they'll be rationalizing certain components. And for ruggedized industries like ours, you know, you've got designs that are in um, you know, the warfighter's hands or, you know, in, 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 in some medical application and they're not changing like a consumer product. So there's going to be continued constraints on availability of certain manufacturers parts. There's going to be continu continued consolidation amongst the manufacturers. And so, and there's going to be continued demand, uh, whether it's uh, alternative energy, whether it's electric vehicles, whether, you know, so on and so on. So um, I think for, for the foreseeable future, the, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a bright outlook for the, for the industry in, in, in general. Yeah. Yeah. I think that mega trend of the electrification that you allude to is really that's what's driving it. And then again, the EMS have become the manuf electronics manufacturing experts uh, over the last many years. That's really kind of positioned themselves as kind of for customers who really need that expertise, but also that flexibility that you were talking about. Yeah, you know, you really have to figure out what's your competitive advantage. And uh, for the OEMs, they're recognizing their competitive advantage is innovation and product development and understanding their customers' needs and then developing technologies to serve their needs. And so, you know, it's a lot to expect to also be world-class at manufacturing these unique technologies. So the EMS fits a really nice niche where we can be the bridge between the OEM and the innovation of these ideas and the actual consumer and the delivery of the product. We sit nicely in the middle. Mm -hmm. No, they really do. It's it's an impressive industry and, it's, and it continues to grow internationally, right? I mean, we see it everywhere. Jeff, I want to thank you for your time today. This has been been a real pleasure for me to finally have a chance to speak to you after knowing about you for many years in the industry. And thanks for providing our viewers an overview of Spartronics. Um, I, of course, wish you nothing but success with, with Spartronics. And hopefully we can speak again in the future. Well, I appreciate you having me. And it's, and it's been a delight to, to speak this morning. And um, I'm really excited about this journey with Spartronics. Um, we've got a really bright future. So I look uh, forward to uh, catching you up on, on some of our successes in the future. So all the best to you, Eric. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.